Business leaders today need to go beyond meetings and management. There are action steps that nearly every leader needs to know to align with their core values and get the important priorities done. Welcome to the Grow Forward Today podcast with Paul D. Casey. Whether you're just starting out as a leader in your organization or have been a seasoned professional who wants to explore new ideas and practices, this will be an enlightening and highly applicable program. And now, your host, Paul Casey. Feeling like you've been working too much, lost your motivation, constantly worn out, you might be in the early stages of burnout. Today on episode 25 of the Grow Forward Today podcast, I'm going to do a solo episode on a very crucial topic, being self-aware on if you're teetering on the edge of burnout and a whole bunch of habits to steer clear of that dismal place so that you can continue your journey toward your personal leadership development. Ready to grow forward? Welcome, friends. It is episode 25. Yes, I've made it 25 episodes in this new podcast. Thank you for making it this far along in the journey because you love personal leadership development. And I thought maybe as I hit the different milestones, like 25 and 50 and 75, I would do a solo episode and give you one of the seminars that I typically do for companies or teams that will help you in your personal leadership development. And so I thought I would start with avoiding burnout because I work with a lot of clients who wrestle with this. They uh, just don't have enough time in the day. They feel overwhelmed. They're not getting to their priorities. Um, They feel like they're forsaking their family or they're just not getting all the things done on their to-do list at work. There's uh, maybe some some latent conflict going on in their situation. Well, we're going to get there. We'll we'll talk about some of the reasons uh, why people burn out. We're going to talk about what that looks like. And I'd love to make it very practical, just give you as many practical solutions of habits that you can infuse into your daily and weekly life to stay as far away from burnout as possible. So thanks for joining me in this episode. And I'll start with a little bit of humor today. Uh, These are some of the top signs that you are burned out. Uh, Your friends call to ask how you've been and you immediately scream, get off my back. You're probably burned out. Your garbage can is your inbox. Yeah, you're probably burned out. You wake up to discover your bed is on fire, but go back to sleep because you just don't care. Yeah, probably burned out. Visions of the upcoming weekend help you make it through Monday. Oh, wow. It's a long way away from the weekend. You leave for a party and instinctively bring your ID badge. Yeah, you've turned into a little bit of a zombie there. You've blasted your daily planner with a 357 Magnum a week ago, but still haven't been able to miss a meeting. Probably in burnout. And finally, you think about how relaxing it would be if you were in jail right now. (laughs) Well, I guess you still get three square meals a day there. But yeah, probably burned out. But in all seriousness, burnout is a scary thing. And I've had some clients that have been burned out and they have literally forgotten what their favorite color is. They look like a zombie. Just There's just no life behind them. All they wanted to do is sleep. And uh, they really had to take some serious time off. And uh, I had a client once who uh, called me many months after I did the seminar at a conference. And he said, "Uh, Paul, I need your help. And this is really rare because usually after a conference, you either get called right away, like I need your services right now, or you never get called because they've moved on to somebody else. But this guy had taken this to heart and he was like, I need your help. I think I'm burned out. 
And we, you know, we did some diagnostics on him and yeah, he truly was on the verge of burnout and gave him a lot of the tips that I'm giving you today on this episode. And uh, he, he bounced out of it. But then several months later, he didn't make his session. And I was like, uh, where are you, man? And he wasn't replying and I was getting a little bit worried. Finally, he replied and he said, I, I've quit my job. And I was like, oh no, bad coach, bad coach. And he said, no, no, this is really a good thing, Paul, because I realized, you know, I, I think I was out of my comfort zone all along in the career that I had chosen. And, uh, you know, I was, I was going through the motions every day and I don't think it was affecting my team that much, uh, but I just didn't have any joy. It was completely gone. So now I'm free to pursue what I want to pursue. So it's actually been a good thing. So I was like, shoo, okay. But uh, it, it was in a, it, there was a values clash that was leading to her, his burnout. There's so many different reasons for that. But what is burnout? Burnout is a syndrome of emotional exhaustion, which I like to think about like as feeling fried, depersonalization, which I start to think about the word zombie, and a reduced personal accomplishment, where I think we're just, we're just low effectiveness, that can occur among individuals who do people work of some kind, which is probably you. We, a lot of us do people work. So it's this exhaustion, depersonalization, and reduced personal accomplishment. Burnout is really extended frustration. It's a barrier to knowing what really counts, and it does cloud our thinking patterns. So we don't, we're not thinking clearly anymore when we are in this awful place called burnout. So uh, I want to start out by just having you reflect for a moment on what does it look like and feel like to you when you are on the verge of burnout? Just reflect on that for a minute. What's going through, uh, what's going through your feelings mentally, emotionally, uh, physically when you're feeling burnout? There's a little burnout inventory that I could send you. It's, it's getting pretty dated now, but it's still relevant. Uh, if you'd like to e email me, I'd be happy to send you that little burnout evaluation at growingforward.paulcasey.org. Uh, but, you know, sometimes it's just really taking stock. And you know when you're on the verge of burnout, if you take the time to get alone with yourself and ask for some feedback from some people around you, and they'll be like, yeah, you, you sort of have that look, like you're zoned out. Then you try to think about, okay, what do I want? I want, I want to be in some type of balance, even though balance is unachievable. Uh, but I want, I, want to feel, I want to feel good, right? I want it to be like experiencing peace. I want to experience joy. I want to be focused on the things that matter in my job and in my life. I mean, these are, these are some of the quests that we are on in our journey of personal leadership development. So that's the vision that we want to get to. But there are a lot of things that put us on the road to burnout and they're insidious, right? They just sort of creep up on us. So let me give you a list of some of those and you can like go check, check, or that one's a temptation for me, or that one's not really so much. Basically, it's a sustained negative response to stress. I mean, that's what burnout is. So, and stress then can either, it can really strain you, it can deform you in many different ways if you're not careful. So let's get really clear on what are some possible things that lead to burnout. Depression over unmet expectations is one of those. I really believe that uh, much of depression is the result of running out of emotional energy. You've probably been there before. And if you're burned out, you're probably also battling depression at some level. And if you're in depression, what I know is your body is going to look for a way to cope. Your mind is maybe even reverts to a secret life where you go to heart addiction, soft addiction, some type of escapism to bring comfort 
or alleviate pain because your brain does not want to be in burnout. It wants to get you back to homeostasis as much as quickly as possible. So a website I could recommend for this is hopefordepression.com. Hopefordepression.com. Again, another little survey that you can see if you've got several of the characteristics or maybe it's for a friend, right? We're always calling for a friend (laughs) when sometimes it's us. But hopefordepression.com can give you a little checkoff list to see if you truly are in that state called depression. The second thing that leads to burnout besides unmet expectations over and over again is focusing on yourself too much, where you're just overthinking things in your own head, also called myopia, or focusing on others all the time and not at all on yourself. And really, that's more the people that I serve in my uh, coaching and training business are people that put their self-care on the back burner because they're obligers, uh, according to the four tendencies by Gretchen Rubin, right? They're, they're meeting everybody else's expectations, but they're not meeting expectations for themselves. They're not self-full, right? They're not necessarily self-less, but they're not self-full either. And that causes burnout. A third thing is a loss of vision or mission. This is where you lose your big why. You're off track, you're aimless or drifting. Like that one client I was telling, telling you about, uh, they're just going through the motions. And nobody wants to wake up in the morning and go, I get to go through the motions today, right? No, there's, that's not a cheer that we have or an affirmation in the morning. A fourth thing that leads to burnout is taking the full load of everything instead of delegating. You know, your shoulders just aren't that broad. You're, you're an achiever probably if you're listening to this podcast, but you know what? Your shoulders just aren't that broad to carry everything on your back. And in fact, 27% of employees say they work for an overwhelmed manager. That's really not a good signal you're putting out if you're in leadership that you're overwhelmed all the time. So much so that your people can recognize it, that you're overwhelmed all the time. So delegation is going to be one of those strategies we get back to uh, a little bit later because uh, sometimes we feel like we're Wonder Woman or Superman and uh, we could carry it all and we can't. Another... uh, cause of burnout is feeling of aloneness. There's just no positive feedback. You're just working every day and you just feel alone. If you're an entrepreneur, maybe you really are alone because you might be a solopreneur like me and you don't get a lot of feedback or possibly you work for an employer who doesn't give you much feedback. And you start wondering like, am I making a difference at all? And with the absence of feedback, even negative feedback, um, you just start wondering that. And I read a stat once that said 95% of employees say the only feedback they get is negative. So usually it's like not much at all, but then when they do get it, it's, it's negative. And I just think, how horrible is that? I can, I can see why there's a great resignation going on when they've, people don't feel appreciated and validated and affirmed. Another cause is going outside your ability, your giftedness your strengths zone for too long. Now, granted, we all have to do that once in a while. We all have to go outside of our comfort zones, our strength zones, and uh, we can manage for a while there. But if we have to hang out there for too long, it sort of just wears you out. I mean, even Michael Jordan, who I still think is the best basketball player of all time. uh, I'm from Chicago, though, so I I can be a little... uh, (laughs) <laughs> a little prejudiced on that one. Uh, but even he, when he tried baseball, right? Major League Baseball, he struck out, he dropped fly balls. It just, he should have stuck to basketball because that's where his strength zone was. For me, it's like detail work. If I have to do too many details 
for too long, I'm going to burn out. So I have to outsource those to other people who really enjoy doing the detail work. Here's a few more. Pleasing everyone. Dun, dun, dun. Any pleasers here on the uh, podcast today? You've got PTP, the propensity to please. Yes. And it's an insatiable quest to try to please everyone all the time. And some of us have that approval addiction. And I'm going to say work for the need, work work for need, not for approval. We've got to have those boundaries. And uh, for pleasing everyone, we're probably allowing those boundaries to be trampled, which leads to burnout. Too many other commitments. Now, this is probably that number one answer that you maybe you were thinking already of, and this is probably the one you hear the most is I'm just too busy. And that's like the first thing people say is like, how you doing? Busy. I really committed to myself to not say busy when people ask how I'm doing, because it's just such a standard response. Now I start, if people say that, I say, is that good busy or bad busy? Uh, but basically people not having margin. And I know because I'm on that borderline right now of not having margin. Margin, as defined by Richard Swenson, he said it's your load minus your limits. So the load is all the things on your plate minus your limits, which is basically your time and your energy. And uh, you can have negative margin if the load is greater than the limits. You can have even margin, which is you're just barely getting by. And then hopefully a positive margin, which gives you some white space in order to live your life and respond to the unexpected. Uh, how about a lack of unity or lots of conflict in your family life or in your or your team, your staff, or with your customers? So a lot of that constant conflict, conflict will just wear on you. It wears down like the treads of your, of your tire, right, until it's balding. And you know what happens? You start, you know, hydroplaning in the rain if you've got bald tires. Uh, burnout is sort of like hydroplaning in a way. If you've got uh, too much conflict I know like my eyes just want to close and I'm just like, I just want to go to bed because it's taken so much out of me. And one more, not having your own tank filled up and not recognizing you're on empty. That is going to lead to burnout. It's not just that it's an empty tank. It's not realizing you do have an empty tank and you just keep going. Effective leadership can be nullified by an ineffective personal life. So reflect on these for a moment. Where are you the most vulnerable? What are your greatest temptations? Now, here's what not to do uh, to avoid burnout. I would encourage you not to drown your sorrows with alcohol. You might get a temporary relief for a bit, but it really disrupts the body's calming process and it intensifies depression, which is not what you want. Um, I would encourage you not to play violent video games as an escape because that really just mimics the stress on the job. Uh, Often uh, some of the Netflix shows that you could stream also are just very stressful uh, or intense conflict. And by binging those also, it's like you got PTSD of going back to the stress on the job. I'd encourage you not to take dangerous risks because your judgment's a little clouded when you're in burnout. And your pain might be numbed by taking some risks like, woo, I want to feel alive, but eh, uh, it could be dangerous. I'd encourage you not to keep plugging 11 or more hours a day at work. There's research that shows that if you work 11 hours a day, I don't know why that's the magic number, but 11 hours or more a day at work, you have a higher uh, risk of heart disease. And we definitely don't need that risk to go up anymore. Don't hibernate. Uh, social isolation, which of course in the last couple of years with COVID, we were told to do, 
Um, now that we don't have to do that, I encourage you not to socially isolate. That actually hurts your blood pressure. The relational connections actually are good for you. So don't run away from the ambulance, so to speak, right? Run towards community. Venting is not good either. Like, wait, wait, Paul, I've always heard that you've just got to get it out. You've just got to, you know, blah, vomit it all out on somebody. But actually, the research would show that venting is just stress-inducing. Again, almost like PTSD, it puts you back in that source of stress, and it's counterproductive. And finally, I would say, uh, don't binge eat uh, because uh, some people, you know, are the, the worry eaters. Your blood sugar levels can get pushed toward diabetic levels if you do that. And uh, someone also said, don't online shop either when you're on the verge of burnout. Uh, maybe that's part of that dangerous risk of uh, your bank account would be uh, at risk during that. So those are some what not to do's when it comes to avoiding burnout. The rest of this episode, I want to share some to do's to avoid burnout so you can burn bright instead. So, I mean, really tell yourself like, I am not gonna burn out. So I have got to implement some of these strategies and you're gonna need a system. It can't be just a one and done, or I'm gonna do it for two days and not do it for five, or I'm gonna do it for a week and skip two weeks. No, it has to be some type of system of self-care or else it's what happens like when you're driving um, in your car and you're on E, right, on empty and you're, but you're late again, right? Or you're, you know, you've got too many errands back to back and you drive past a gas station. You're like, I wonder if E really means E, you know, I've never really pushed the limit to see how far it goes over. And then you're thinking to yourself, oh man, but if I drive past another gas station, then what if, uh, if I have to pull over for running out of gas, that'd be so embarrassing to do that. And we just keep having anxiety until finally we pull over and get gas. And then it's like, ah, okay, we can go a whole another week. So we're too busy driving to get gas. And this is how we live our lives sometimes is we're too busy living and too busy working to refill our tank. So these are all habits that could take many days in a row in order to form. And then they become a natural way to avoid burnout. All right, so let's dive in to some of these. The first one is to recognize the danger signs. Read your gauges. When you think of like the the dashboard of an airplane, right? It has all those knobs and buttons and lights. You've got gauges too. Uh, for me, it's a uh, lack of creativity, right? If, if I am on the verge of burnout, that means I usually have dozens of ideas flowing into my head every day. And if I go totally dark on that, I'm like, uh-oh, something's wrong. Or another one is I drop the ball. Like I leave I stand somebody up uh, an appointment in a coffee shop because it didn't even get on my calendar because I'm so busy. That's an uh-oh for me that I'm on the verge of burnout. Maybe for you, it's irritability. Uh, most people when surveyed say when they're on the verge of burnout, like, in fact, 50% of people would say they get irritable or angry uh, on the verge. So that's one of those signs. And I have to remind us all that we can't be persuasive when we're abrasive. I love that little rhyme. We can't be persuasive when we're abrasive. So that's a gauge that we need to notice. Maybe you're typically a peaceful person and you've just had a lot of anxiety lately. That could be a gauge. Uh, maybe you're uh, you're always self-motivated and now you have a lack of drive and you don't want to set goals. You don't want to even declare them out loud because then you'll be held to them accountable. That could be a sign because it's not typically you. So the key is that the faster you recognize and correct your course, 
the more your overall performance will improve. So again, as I said at the beginning, it's not that your tank is empty uh, necessarily, it's that you don't recognize it. So we've got to get back on track after that one. So learn, recognize what your gauges are. Uh, hopefully you were able to identify some as I was saying that just now, and then realize, okay, I got to do something about that. A second uh, way to burn bright is to schedule a personal retreat. Maybe you just need to get away from it all. A place of solitude. I love personal retreats. I do one at the end of the year. I do them quarterly. I do them monthly. I would just go to a beautiful place or it could be just a quiet place like the library or a local hotel or uh, down by the river or the ocean or up to the mountains, some, some place beautiful where it's just you. Don't bring your family or if there's a way that you can negotiate for that by saying, you know, I'll spend half the time with you, but I need half the time to be uninterrupted. That's a place to really take stock, to assess who you're becoming, where you're at, where you want to go. And I really believe breakthroughs and insights happen in solitude. And you're like, Paul, I don't even know what I do. If you're an extrovert listening to this, you'd be like, I think I would go crazy uh, if alone to myself there. Well, and you can you can customize this any way you want, but there are, you can do a personal assessments during this time, you know, whether that's Myers-Briggs or Strength Finder or DISC or emotional intelligence to learn what your tendencies are because self-awareness is huge to avoiding burnout. You can develop your own personal mission statement that flow from those assessments, that flow from your, your values and your strengths. Because if you don't, you might be living out somebody else's script, whether it's your boss or your parents or uh, your spouse or just someone else has these expectations of you and you're living out that other person's script, which is increasing your stress, and then you burn out. So a personal mission statement will ground you. Uh, interesting little story of a rabbi back in the medieval times he was uh, going from town to town and he'd wandered off into the forest off the path. And all of a sudden he comes face to face with a guard and the guard says, who are you and where are you going? And the rabbi looked at him for a moment, didn't answer the question and said, how much do you get paid, sir? And the guy said like four drachmas, you know, or whatever it was. And the rabbi said, I will double that. If you come to my door every day and ask me those two questions, who are you and where are you going? And you get the point, right? That we have to ask ourselves these questions on a regular basis, or we start to drift. We start to slip away from that best version of ourselves. Other things you can do on a personal retreat are uh, develop your ideal day. That incorporates all your priorities. Like, what what does a good day really look like? And you, know, you can bl block that into uh, twenty one time blocks. You know, you've got a morning, an afternoon, and a time block, seven days a week. That's 21 time blocks. You're probably at work for 10 of those if you work Monday through Friday, mornings and afternoons. So that still leaves you 11 time blocks. So in that ideal day, what time do you want to wake up? What, what do you want to do before work starts? What do you want to do uh, as soon as you get to work? Ideally, right? When do you want to take your breaks? Which again, we need to do. I'll get to that in just a moment. Uh, what do you want to do in your afternoon block? Especially if you're a morning person, what do you do in the afternoon? What time ideally do you want to leave work every day? What's the goal there? What do you do when you get home? What does your evening look like to uh, encompass all of your values outside of work? And then what time do you need to get to bed 
in order to get seven or eight hours sleep to hit your target wake up time. That would be your ideal day. And if you're not hitting that now, you just start making little adjustments to try to get closer to the ideal day. And like I said, you have 11 time blocks that are outside of work. So what do you wanna do to be more intentional in those blocks? Where are you gonna schedule in rest and family time and reflection and hobbies so that you are trying to have living a full life? Not all work and no play makes Johnny a dull boy. So those are some things you can do on a retreat. I've done many other things. You know, I've done some, uh, some Bible study. I've done prayer. People have done meditation. They've read books uh, on a certain topic that they're for a certain season of their life that they're in right now to learn more about that. I usually look at my vision for the year and my thematic goal for the year of what I'm really trying to emphasize this year. Um, what else have I done? Taking a nap. You can do that on a personal retreat, but uh, just getting that on your calendar, even just for a few hours, I think it's going to do a world of good for you. All right, let us take a break here. You are listening to the Grow Forward Today podcast on the Voice America Business Channel. And a lot of different ways you can contact me. I'm at LinkedIn at Paul D. Casey. Uh, Growing Forward Services is on Facebook and Instagram and Pinterest, you know, all the socials. And my website is growing growingforwardservices.net. So those are several ways to get in touch with me. My email is growingforward at paulcasey.org. So since it's a solo episode, I thought I'd give you all the ways to contact me. When we come back from our break, we're going to dive a little bit deeper into some of these habits that you can infuse into your life to burn bright and avoid burnout. So as we head into our break, reflect for a moment on, again, what are some things that have led to your burnout or uh, in the past led to burnout? What are some things that uh, you experience when you are in burnout? And think about those first two, your gauges that run hot, that give you a clue that you need to take evasive action and scheduling a personal retreat. We'll be right back. If you're a manager or supervisor trying to keep your team and yourself engaged, motivated, and accomplishing goals, then you want to check out Bullseye, Paul Casey's membership community for team leaders, coming alongside you to achieve confidence and success in leading your team. Within Bullseye, there are plug-and-play forms and tools, inspirational audios to pump you up, team player videos to play in staff meetings, icebreakers for your one-to-ones, and of course, interaction with Paul and other industry team leaders to chat about how to solve the problems you are wrestling with. Paul will bring on live experts once a month to answer your questions on their expertise, and he will ping you twice a week via text to encourage you in your pursuit of your goals. Finally, there is a resource for anyone who supervises others and wants to develop their potential. Check out Bullseye to find out more and subscribe today for the best rates they'll ever be at growingforwardservices.net. That's growingforwardservices.net. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to the Grow Forward Today podcast. 
If you'd like to know more about Paul Casey or our program, please visit his website at growingforwardservices.net. Now, back to Grow Forward Today. Welcome back to the Grow Forward Today podcast. I'm doing a solo episode here for episode 25. You're getting to experience one of the workshops. I wish I could make it interactive with you where we do little exercises together, but hopefully you're going to pick up at least one takeaway today on burning bright instead of burning out. You might not need it now, but I bet you that day is coming where uh, you might be on the verge of burnout and uh, you're just over busy and you need some of these strategies to kick into gear. Or you might need it for a friend, a coworker, uh, one of your children, who knows? But there'll be some of these that you can actually use. Again, I'd be happy to send you these uh, in a Word doc if that would be helpful. I do have a one sheet on the 11 tips if that would be helpful. Again, growing forward at paulcasey.org. All right, let's head into our third suggestion for burning bright without burning out, and that is to delegate. Delegate as many of the routine tasks as you can and practice empowering your people so that you can stay on the main things. Now, there are probably a few of you that are listening that are like, well, I don't have anyone to delegate to. I'm the one being delegated to, and I get that, right? Uh, but if you're in any of any influence uh, in your family or in your work life, and you've got a chance to offload some of your tasks to someone who can actually do it just as good, if not better than you, I would do it. And then don't micromanage them, like get out of the way, right? Get into the habit of asking yourself if what you're doing can be handled by someone else. The rule is anything besides just you can do should be delegated. There's some things in your job description that you just have to do. You can't delegate casting vision or writing a performance evaluation for your direct reports. You can't, you can't delegate that. But there are many things that we find ourselves down in the weeds doing stuff that are not in our strength zone. And so nobody's doing them for the company. You're not doing the things that are uniquely yours to take care of because you're taking on everything. I like the phrase, turn the rat race into a relay race. Yes, where you're passing the baton to other people. Like I mentioned earlier, the quickest way to burnout is to try to be a Superman or a Wonder Woman and your shoulders aren't that broad. The measure of your leadership is not much how not how much you can do, but it's how much you can get done through others, right? The team success is your success. So don't feel like you've got to clutch all of the tasks because when, when I delegate something and someone rocks that, I'm just like, I feel so proud as a leader, like, hey, good for me for getting rid of that task because now I could focus on the main things, but also good on them for doing it way better than I could have. And so we all win. You could do this at home with chores and your kids. You can do this at church, you know, or wherever uh, the clubs that you're in, just to make sure that you are not doing all the things. So delegation is huge. Do have some tools on that as well if you're interested. Number four is to combat stress through establishing recovery time. Recovery time. So a few things go into this one. First of all, we need true rest on the weekend. Have you ever gone into Monday saying, I needed a weekend to recover from my weekend? That means you made it too busy, right? It was just too ridiculously, you're going uh, front to back, you know, and every moment was scheduled. And then Monday came and you're just like, ah, I can't believe I've got to wait five more days for a weekend. You've got to take at least one, if not two days, completely off a week. 
to truly perform at an optimal level, your body needs that white space. And I was at a seminar once where uh, a guy had, a, had one of, just a volunteer from the audience hold up the glass of water that the person uh, had in front of them at their table. And he had him hold it out uh, you know, horizontally with his arm outstretched. And he said, everyone guess how many ounces of water are still in the glass? And people are like six, four, eight, you know, they're yelling out. And he goes, you know what? It's irrelevant how much is in there. If I have this volunteer uh, keep this glass up for five more minutes, he's going to get a little annoyed at me. Say like, okay, Paul, are we done with this metaphor now? Can I put this down? You know, it's getting a little tiring. If I have him continue to hold this glass out stretched like this for another hour, he's going to have a sore arm tomorrow. I mean, that's a long time to hold your arm up without any break. If I have them hold it up for six or eight hours, we're going to have to call the paramedics because that arm is going to lose feeling uh, for, for that long. It is not how much water is in the glass. It's how long he is holding the water without a break. And so the metaphor was very clear to us then. It's not how much is on our plates because some of us have more capacity than others. It's how long that we hold whatever our load is without taking a break. And the weekend is one way to do that. Another thing that goes into this recovery time is you have stressful seasons at work. Uh, some people have the end of a fiscal year as a season or some huge fundraising event. Uh, they're just, or an audit, you know, or a it's tax season for accountants. And that's a very ramped up season. And I would encourage you to go to your, uh, to take your vacations after those ramped up seasons in your work. So if you know that they're coming, you know how to schedule your vacation on the back end of that to recover from it. If you just put your head back down and keep grinding, you're never going to have that chance to have that recovery time. Then there's also times within a work week that you're not expecting, but there's a stressful interaction. Someone confronts you or an employee behaves badly and you have to deal with it, uh, you know, or some disaster happens at your workplace, who knows what it is, but it's stressful. And I would encourage you to recover from that as well intentionally. Go to your happy place. I know that sounds a little woo-woo, but uh, <laughs> I was counseled to do this when I would have to let an employee go. When you fire an employee, it's, it's sort of the worst day of the year, at least for uh, more of a golden retriever personality like me. <laughs> And so I would go, I used to be an elementary school principal, and I would go with my vice principal to a coffee shop way across town, and we would just chill, debrief the situation, get it all out, so that we would go home to our families and not be a you know, dumping ground for them, be a dump truck you know, of all of our emotions on them. We could connect to our family. So we called it our happy place. And sometimes you need that after you've gone through a stressful interaction. So the whole principle there is recovery time. You know, let me throw in one more here. And that is, do you unplug from electronics ever? If you don't, you may need a digital Sabbath, you know, like a period of time, especially in your weekend or uh, in the evenings between the hours of blank and blank, you get to pick. But I would encourage you to be more intentional about unplugging from electronics for large blocks of time. Now, if you're always on call in your profession, I get that. But for most of us, there's not many emergencies and people will call if your ringer is still on, if they really need you. 
But for the most part, we can shut that phone off, keep it on the charger for a long period of time and take that digital Sabbath so that we have some time to recover. Because as soon as you look back at your texts or email, you get drawn back into work and you're not recovering. And so you don't really experience that rest. All right, here is number five. When you feel your gauge redlining, and we talked about our gauges, right? Redlining is a principle that my trainer, personal trainer taught me years ago when I couldn't breathe from the exercise. And she said, you're redlining. You need to go outside and take some deep breaths. And I'm like, yes, okay, thank you. So when your gauge is redlining, push away and step back for a brief recharge. So the recovery time is more for the bigger deals. A brief recharge is for little deals in your day when uh, something is getting a little bit more overwhelming. You've got to take breaks. Yes, I will say it again. You must take breaks in your day. Achievers don't do this. Okay, I coach uh, a lot of clients and 90% say they don't take the breaks or they eat at their desk during lunch and they, they don't even take a mental break from that. The book, The Breakout Principle, I read many years ago and uh, you know, it has research in there that proves that if you stop and instead of plowing through for another two or three hours on stuff, if you stop and take a break, you're going to get a fresh perspective. You're going to come back more creative, able to think critically way better than if you just reach that point of diminishing returns from grinding for too long. So, I mean, I encourage you to take a mental vacation at least each hour. Now, don't tell your boss, I'm taking a mental vacation right now, but you get the point, right? Even the, even the Pomodoro technique for time management, you know, says you work for X number of minutes and then you take a little break and then you work for, I think it's 25 minutes and you take five and then 25 minutes, take five. After four rotations of the 25, five, then you take a longer break. You know, that's where you take a walk around the building or you take your lunch and you're going to come back way better to, uh, to have that uh, brief recharge. Schedule those regular times to refocus and evaluate your priorities. I was just listening to a podcast where Ed Milet was the guest, and he was talking about how he splits his day into three little mini days, and he assesses uh, how things are going at noon and at six, and then I guess he goes to bed at midnight. So he's got three big chunks of his day, and he calls them mini days, so he does uh, an evaluation of his, how his priorities are going uh, at those times during the day. The key here, though, is to uh, have some time every day where you hit the refresh button, just like you would on your computer when things are getting hung up. You've got to hit the refresh button. You've got to depart daily or uh, you know, divert daily uh, by having some type of daily review or preview to see how you're going. Then you need the withdraw weekly. And that is taking at least that one full day off on the weekend. And then I encourage you to adjourn or abandon annually. And that's where you take that personal retreat time to take stock of all of your life. See, these are all recharge moments that you literally build in to your calendar. And I have done that and I've come to just really look forward to them. Next tip for Burning Bright is to structure your days strategically. So before you even get out of your car and go into work or before you head into your home office, I'd like you to think about how you're gonna measure success for the day. What's gonna make this a good day? I literally write this in my journal in the morning. I do a gratitude check uh, from yesterday. I do the highs and lows of yesterday. And then the next thing I do in my journal every single morning is what would make today a great day? 
And that's where I plug in. I think about my calendar ahead and like, you know, really rocking that seminar, that podcast interview, uh, or I get to see one of my adult children and go out for dinner with them or see a movie, whatever that is. I, uh, I put that in there because then I start looking forward to it. I start anticipating the cool things that could happen in my day. So when you structure your day strategically, you just schedule three priorities for the day. If you schedule more than three, then you have no priorities because then everything's our priorities. And then we're just busy all the time. Busyness does not equal effectiveness, says Doug Fields. And I think we'd all agree. It just means it's a treadmill. It doesn't really mean we're getting anywhere. We're, we're making you know headway on anything just to be busy. There's always going to be people interruptions. And I would uh, do a quick sidebar here by saying, if you're in the people business, interruptions are your work. <laughs> I literally put that on my door years ago when I would get irritated that people would keep knocking and saying, hey, got a minute, which was never a minute. And I put a sign on my door behind the door so they couldn't see it. It said, interruptions are my work. And that helped me reframe that a little bit. But I would encourage you to calendar time before you go home every evening and do a daily review preview. That's where you look back at today and say, what did I get done? You know, pull all your post-its onto one list and then look ahead at tomorrow and pick your three priorities for tomorrow before you go to bed today or before you shut off the light at work today. It's going to give you a peace of mind knowing you have the plan for tomorrow so you can go into the life part of work-life rhythm. It's going to give you peace of mind in the morning knowing I know what my big three are and your brain works on problems while you sleep, your subconscious mind. So you might get an aha in the morning when you wake up. So that's the daily review preview. And then you do the weekly review preview on Friday, uh, or, or if you work a four-day week on Thursday, where you look ahead at next week and you go, okay, so these are my big meetings I've got next week. Oh, I've double booked. I've got to change that. Or that day is really undoable. I can't even get three priorities done that day because I'm in meetings all day. But you've got a chance to look over the, you know, the landscape of your week, and then you shut off the light and you have a, a restful weekend. So those two review previews have become gold for me, as I've mentioned earlier. It helps you stay on mission. It helps you plan in margin and stick to your priorities. I'd also encourage you on this stru structuring your day strategically to go with your biorhythms to match the sharpest times, your mentally sharpest times with your priority tasks. Some of you are morning people, like first thing in the morning, like, you know, 6 to 8 a.m., you're just like, rawr, I got to go after it. Others of you are more primetime people, like 10 to 12 a.m. Um, that late morning is when you're just, you're gelling at that time. Few people are afternoon people. I'm actually one of those, a good one o'clock meeting. I'm like, I'm all over that. Everybody else is ready to take a nap. And then there are some night owls, which doesn't help you a lot at work unless you're a remote worker. But knowing what that sharp time is mentally, put your priority tasks there, especially your critical thinking tasks or your creative tasks, because that's when you're going to do your best work. And then close your door during that time. I know some of you are cringing, like I want to be, I want to have an open door policy. I get it. But uh, if you have a chance, you have an office and you can close your door and bang out some real, you know, some deep work during that window of time, then you're just going to open the door after that. It's Okay. Tell your team when you're available and uh, don't keep that door closed all day uh, and then just pop back out. And you're going to feel so good that you got those big priorities done in that sweet spot of your energy. And remember, if you if you work for too long, 
for in a, in a block of time, you reach that that point of diminishing return. So 90 minutes is probably the biggest chunk of time you should spend on a project without taking that break. And don't check your email first thing in the morning. That is not structuring your day strategically. Yes, I have research on this. And uh, the most productive people do not do this. Now your job again, you might have to check for emergencies first thing, but if you cannot touch your phone or your tablet or your laptop early in the morning and do some things that are more positive first thing, whether that's exercise or meditation or prayer or whatever it is for you, do that. Connect with your family instead of going right to your phone uh, because it just shows you can just go down this rabbit hole and then you wake up, uh, you know, an hour and a half later going, ah, I haven't gotten to any of my priorities and now I'm all stressed and anxious for the day. You may also during this step evaluate your pace and your ability to keep up with stuff, right? The 10% of time that you take to plan your activities carefully in advance will save you 90% of the effort involved in undertaking and completing the most important tasks in your workday, says Carol Halsey. And I think it's a good quote. Like we've got to do a little bit more planning or else we just drift through our day and then we get to the end of the day and go, what did I get done today? And those are burnout thoughts when it's just like I was busy. I, I mean, I was moving all day and I was in my email and I was doing stuff, but I don't feel like I brought anything to the finish line. That probably means you're not structuring your day strategically. And too many days of firefighting in a row and being reactive are exhausting and they do lead to burnout. So we got to be more proactive with that. Okay, let me give you a couple more. How about establishing and enforcing boundaries? Dun, dun, dun. Yes, we have to learn to say no, especially if you're a pleaser. Boundaries are critical. Boundaries are like, and this comes from the book Boundaries by uh, Henry Cloud and John Townsend, which is a great read. And they say boundaries are like the, uh, the picket fence that goes around your property and it has a gate. And uh, you control the gate, right? Of what of you, your energy, uh, whether it's emotional energy or real energy, goes out through the gate and what you let in to your life, other people's drama or problems or uh, opportunities into the gate. Some people have a windblown gate that everything from you goes out without any nose. Everything from the outside comes in without any nose. And you're just in a constant state of overwhelm because you're not controlling the gate. Now, there are some people that are sort of boundary masters, you know, and they've got guard dogs and gun turrets and barbed wire guarding their gate. They've probably been hurt before. And uh, they use boundaries almost as a weapon to keep everybody away from them. And that's sad because boundaries are not a uh, offensive weapon. They're, uh, they're, they're playing defense. They're controlling what of you goes out and what you allow in. And it's really critical to do that so that you don't run out of emotional energy. I mean, I've had to say out loud, you may want to try this, like, I can only do what I could do. I can't do any more. Or, you know, this day is over. Like, I've, 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 I've given it all today and there's nothing left. And that helps you say no by having some type of mantra that you say. And, you know, if you really struggle with saying no, remember this. When you say no, you're saying yes. You're actually saying yes to higher priority people and higher priority tasks. And if you want some courage uh, to do that, I would read the book, The Power of a Positive No. Really enjoyed that book. I read it last year, The Power of a Positive No. It says, get your yes nailed down because out of that abundance of yes, then you say no to protect 
the yeses in your life, which are your core values and probably the people that you love the most. So quick little process for getting better at your boundaries, figure out and say aloud what you want. You've got to figure that out first. Um, you can't have better boundaries if you don't know what you're protecting. So what do you want? And you're going to say it out loud. I'd encourage you to write it down or say it out loud. Then ask as something comes at you, is this really my responsibility? Somebody says, you're so good at that. You know, I need you to, to do the bulletin board in the hallway. You know, or I need you to do our company newsletter or, uh, you know, at church, I need you to be the vice president or vice chair of the committee because you're so good. Think to yourself, is this really my responsibility? <laughs> then I would have some kind of uh, statement that just flows right out of your mouth when somebody asks you to do something. And that is, you've taken stock already of your life. So you're going to tell people where your threshold is at this time and have a phrase that says like, you know, I just don't have any extra margin right now to tackle that, you know, or my plate is just too full or, you know, I've got a few uh, other priorities that I've got to get done before I can even consider that request. You know, you don't need a big explanation here. Sometimes we feel like we have to justify our no and say, well, you know, I've got oil change I got to take care of. Then I got to take Johnny to the soccer game later. And then, then I've got a dentist appointment tomorrow. And, and, and it's like the person is staring at you like, it's just yes or no, right? You don't, you don't have to justify your no. Um, just, just have that phrase that comes out. The key here is to not say yes without evaluating that activity's impact on your wellness. You've got to take stock, buy yourself some time to think about it, and then run it through your filters. And then you're going to make a, a quality decision, whether it's yes or no. Because if it's yes, you're in and you got to go with it. If it's no, you feel pretty good because you put up a boundary. Now, you're not going to say it rudely. You're just, you might even try to help them get their goal accomplished some other way without you giving your time. And I'm a joiner, so this, this is hard for me too. One of my commitments after I turned 40 was, you know, I've really got to evaluate the activity on my wellness before saying yes. And I still struggle with it to this day. Uh, quote, greatness of, of soul consists not so much in soaring high and pressing forward as in knowing how to adapt and limit oneself. D. Montaigne says that. And I think we have to humble ourselves and say, we've got limits. Right? We, we just can't say yes to everything. The temporary discomfort of saying no is better than the temporary ease if it averts permanent failure. The permanent ease is like when we say, like, I want people to like me, so I'm going to say yes. Okay, that's really temporary. Uh, but if it hurts you in the long term and causes some type of shutdown or burnout, then you're just going to be resentful that you said yes later on. All right, uh, let's get one more down here. And that is to do it now because procrastination is an anxiety producer and it leads to burnout because you're trying to store all those tasks mentally and like the RAM in your brain. And after a while you get overwhelmed and that sense of overwhelm can lead to burnout. And so I'm going to encourage you to eat that frog. Yes, it's a book by Brian Tracy. I think it was originally conceived by Mark Twain. And he said that if you have to eat a raw frog today, which would be disgusting, it would be better to eat the frog in the morning and get it over with than to dread eating the raw frog all day long. It's like the principle of like, if you don't like the dentist, 
you know, take the 7.30 a.m. appointment. Don't do the 5.30 p.m. appointment because you're going to just dread that all day. It's going to ruin your day. So eating that frog means to tackle a task as early in the day as possible, as far away from the deadline as possible, and it's going to reduce your stress and allow you to burn brighter. Discipline bridges the gap that takes you from paying the price to actually enjoying those results. It's a domino effect. Like when you put off the one thing, right? And procrastination, it makes you then cram and be unprepared for the next thing. And then that throws off your whole day. And then you just want to throw in the towel. Sort of like when you violate your diet, right? It's like, well, I messed up today. So I might as well eat a whole quart of Ben and Jerry's, you know, and because I just heck with it, you know, I'm done. I, I lost. I'm a loser. No, we don't need to do that with procrastination. Instead, knock down the lead domino and you're actually going to start a positive domino effect, a positive snowball effect that is going to lead towards more productivity for the rest of your day. So at least get a chunk of it started and that's going to feel very good and then reward yourself when you get it done. So those are some of my top tips for avoiding burnout. I've got a few more, but uh, you can reach out to me if you want more of those tips. And uh, hopefully you'll apply these uh, or maybe you'll file them away. Listen to this episode again for a time when they need that in the future. The GFT podcast is all about putting practical tips from my guests and from this little episode into action for your personal leadership development. And remember, if you learn something and don't put it into action within 72 hours, these valuable gems start to slip out of your brain gradually until they lose their value to your life. I've got another free tool for you if you like it. It's my one sheet on goal setting to greatness. You can email me at growingforward at paulcasey.org. And hey, let's set some ambitious goals for the second half of the year, friends. And let's do it without burning out. Thank you for listening to episode 25. Have you told your Achiever friends about this podcast yet? Please spread the word to those who are hungry to grow forward in their lives. Remember, you must lead yourself well. That's why this whole burnout thing is a big deal. You've got to lead yourself well before you can lead your team well. People are watching you and you can model good health and good habits to them. Until next week, keep growing forward. Thank you for tuning in for this episode of Grow Forward Today. Remember to visit Paul's website for more tools that you can use at growingforwardservices.net. Join us again for another edition very soon on the Voice America Business Channel. 